The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Soulful Living on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Terry Williams. Hey, wherever you are in the world today, I welcome you to another 30 minutes of Soulful Living here at Empower Radio. Um, I, I, this whole COVID craziness that's going on in the world has opened up some opportunities for us to really get creative. And one of the things that we're doing here at Empower is video calls and the video calls are all saved as podcasts afterwards so um sit back and enjoy if you're watching it on video today i'm really honored to have danielle dalski as my guest um she is doesn't know this yet but she's quickly becoming one of my favorite authors and maybe favorite people (laughs) i (laughs) so thanks danielle for being here with me Thank you so much, Terry. Very happy to be here. Happy yeah. to hear I might be one of your favorite people. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I have had, first of all, I practice uh, shamanic teachings and several of my friends practice witchcraft, which I think is totally cool. I've always said that um, magic is just a word, you know, that we kind of walk through the world and we all can practice some type of magic. It's just how we want to relate to that word, right? Mm -hmm. But as I'm reading your work and you're talking about the stories and the hags and the rituals and the ceremony, um, it really resonated with me. And because you said something early on in the book about mystics expanding, and that's, that's what really did it for me. I'm like, yeah, that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you you practice as a witch. Tell us what that means to you. Yeah, it's interesting because I get asked a lot about the differences between witchcraft and shamanism. And I don't know that there is a huge one. No. Um, I've done a few shamanic trainings myself, and it seems like the defining element might be, the, the biggest difference might be that witchcraft is just a little bit more oriented toward, um, I mean, that Wiccans might use the word manipulation, which I know is not a word that everyone's friends with, but oriented toward toward creating um, uh, energetic ripples in order to affect the world, either on an individual or collective level. Um, 
versus, you know, shamanic traditions seem very oriented toward community and healing and communal healing. Uh, but other than that, it really feels like a lot of it is the same and interwoven. So, so yeah. And um, especially right now, I feel like, you know, let's leave out the semantics and let it all just be <laughs> yeah. a, way of, a way of living with in harmony with the world and uh using these strange corona times as an opportunity as much as we can to um you know look at our folly yeah, <laughs> and yeah. agile systems and and rebuild yeah like our ancestors did, you know, lineages from a long time ago where they lived in harmony with earth and nature and the cosmos and nobody really judged anybody. They were just doing their thing and creating and and manifesting. And, you know, to me, that in and of itself is a type of manipulation. I, I tell people when you pray, you're looking for you're looking for some type of change, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, and so you know, a lot of um, a lot of people come to witchcraft, you know, wanting to like manifest and 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 heal and do like what they're perceiving as kind of the more palatable. Um, spells and and ceremonies and it's like whenever you manifest anything you're banishing all other possibilities for what that thing could have been right right so, you know it's all kind of the same um it just you know it's in the heart of the practitioner like anything right. else is. yeah and how long have you been practicing yourself Witchcraft, yeah. I've been practicing since about age 20. That was when I began calling what I did. <laughs> right. Well, I was going to say that must have been yesterday because listeners, if you're watching, you can tell she's, you look very young and beautiful. Thank you. You're I'm welcome. 40. <laughs> you're 40? I'm 40. Wow. Yeah, it was 20 years ago. <laughs> wow. No yeah. kidding. So you've been practicing in some way, shape, outwardly for 20 years. Yeah. 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 Um, joined a coven when I was 25, um, experienced uh, a lot of what seems to be the very common wounds associated with belonging to a coven and initiation and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Experienced all of those very early on, which I feel was good. Um, and I was lucky to have experienced them during my 20s um, so that I had time to return, you know. So once I experienced those wounds around like my late 20s, I decided I was never going to tell anybody I was a witch ever again. And um, that lasted for not that long, but a couple of years. And mm -hmm. then I did. I moved and I found this wonderful community. Um, and now I'm very out there as a witch. So, yeah. So, well, yeah. I, to me, it seems really important to get in, aligned with the right coven or the right community because yeah. so many of them, as in shamanic cultures and mystic cultures and, and the priesthood, for goodness sake, mm -hmm. you know, they, they're not necessarily um, groups of integrity. So, to me, you have to be aligned with somebody that is practicing deep integrity and respect for all beings. And it sounds like that's what you found when you found your, the next community. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it's so great now because, you know, when I was looking for my community and my people, even though that was only 20 years ago, we, we still didn't have like readily Googleable teachers. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> figure out, you know, who was who and, and who had good reviews and that sort of thing. And it's still very much shrouded in secrecy. Mm-hmm. Um, that lack of transparency that can breed more insidious behaviors but but yeah it's great now i mean there's there's apps that you can go on and enter your zip code and find different circles in your area so yeah. yay for the younger witches <laughs> right well um i'm 58 so i i'm a little bit uh beyond that that 40 but i would agree with you that um you know 20 years ago there really wasn't a lot and we kind of had to forge our own path and you know, fortunately, we're at a place now where we can share our wisdom, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and be able to learn differently as well. I mean, for me, I'm always learning. Like I said, I I love your work. And to me, it's like I can see myself. OK, this is something I'm ready to study the next level here, you know, or the next the next um, community that I want to resonate with. So I yeah. we're just constantly learning. And had we not had the internet and and Google, we wouldn't have that availability that we have now. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, and not to mention um, like the online trainings because we are in the middle of a precarious situation around the globe and our whole lifestyles have changed, which, you know, some look at as a wonderful experience and others are really dreading, but it's giving us an opportunity to be creative and share our work globally online more than we ever could have. Right. I know. I can't imagine, you know, this this happening, corona happening, the pandemic happening, even just five years ago, I feel yeah. like, well, I know for sure that I, in my work in the world, would not have known what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. It's it's amazing the things that have changed over the years. Okay. So, um, I really want to talk about this book. I love this book, Seasons of Moon and Flame, The Wild Dreamer's Epic Journey of Becoming. And um, we're in August, so I am guessing that we are in the season of Midday Grace. Am I right about that? Well, today was the new moon, so we're actually just leaving that one and entering the season of Orphan Dreams. Of the Orphan Dreams. Okay. I was a little behind on that then. Um, <laughs> that's okay. But that's okay. I was looking to, um, I'm glad this came up because I was looking to follow it from mm-hmm. the beginning of the new moon cycle. So mm-hmm. I feel really good about that, that tonight I can pop into the next chapter. But I love that you have so much wisdom for each particular moon and um, and each 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 moon is a season. Like, how did that come about for you? I think it's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Um, It it was kind of a slow realization that, you know, there there aren't just four seasons that Mm -hmm. we live these entire uh lifetimes even in a single month and especially right now i feel like time is moving so so strangely Mm -hmm. where every morning i wake up and i go in my kitchen and i have this moment where i'm looking at the calendar and it feels like it's almost like 
hearing a Buddhist koan or something where I get like this moment of like confusion that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or it's like, no, that can't be right. Um, so time moving simultaneously quickly and slowly at the same time or something. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it came from this idea that there are lunar seasons. There are 13 lunar seasons and not just these four very rigid solar seasons. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit more of a, a malleable way of looking at time mm-hmm. um, and also your spiritual practice. So I did try to put, you know, so, so many layers in in the book where each lunar season is about story and spells and ritual and, and writing as a reflection on different parts of your life so that you know, the the reader that's drawn to writing, they can do that. The reader that's drawn to the spell work, then that's there for them. So there's different uh, puzzle pieces that you mm-hmm. can sort of use to create your own practice. Yeah. Well, and if you look at uh, globally, uh, whether it's attributed to global warming or what, um, our solar seasons are definitely changing, yeah. right? I mean, like here, I'm in Michigan and... Um, sometimes it seems like we go right from winter to summer, you know, like we don't have the spring that we used to have. And so that was one of the things that I really appreciated about the seasons of the moon was that, okay, you know, that's a little bit easier to grasp over this moon cycle of, you know, let's just say 28 days, 30 days, as opposed to 90 days of a season. It just, this just makes it more. Uh, inviting, you know, more inspiring that you can, you don't just have to do a ritual on the solstice, you know, or, or the heart, you can do it every month and honor that. Right, right. That's exactly it. And I think, um, I know that for me, and and for some of, of my students who are sort of new to the craft, there's this sense of like, if they miss the full moon, that they've like, that they're not cut out for witchcraft or something. Right. (laughs) And it's like, there's going to be moons when you don't want to do anything or when you just, you know, forget that it was the new moon or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's not, um, especially now, like you, were, you, know, now. you were just saying, you go to your calendar and you think, what? Yeah. You know? I, I have a hard time knowing what day it is. Yeah. Right. So. I know it's, it's, it's a very strange time, but, but I think very cool. So yes, I'm an Aquarian. So I always have to temper my fierce optimism. I realize there's a lot of death in the world and I I'm, I am very much in that. So I'm holding that tension between, I'm not excited that there's a pandemic. Right. But it is, it, I do feel it's this opportunity to relate to especially time, maybe all of our resources, money included, but especially time differently. Yeah. Um, and I know that, in March and April, the people that I was with that were in the service industry, so I live in a very service industry oriented town where they just didn't have jobs anymore. Like they didn't know when where their next paycheck was coming from. And yet there was a sense of, oh, what I was doing before was really not all that sustainable anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this moment of like stopping and examining was really such fertile ground for self-reflection and like make people making these huge changes in their lives. Um, so in that way, it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And still is. Yeah. And it still is. And there's such an opportunity to get creative and, and, and take a look at what you were doing. I, I've, I'm not going to get into my story 
deeply, but I fractured my femur in October of 2019. So I've kind of been on hold for 10 months. When the pandemic hit, that wasn't really new to me right. as far as um, getting creative in different ways and allowing myself to get back to nature and to earth more than I ever had. So yeah. I can appreciate what it must have felt like. For me, I was stopped on a dime. And when you're in a community where everything just shuts down for a while, I could totally relate to how people were feeling like, what do I do now? Yeah. You know, um, right. and I, I think that the opportunity of having work like yours where they can um, begin a practice or dive deeper into their practice and create more rituals and ceremonies and, um, and right. I love that you included that in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We have lots of time for that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Writing as, uh, as a personal practice of self-reflection or engaging in personal myth work. I mean, you can, there are people that build their entire witchcraft around that, that, you know, that mm -hmm. writing is their word witchery. It is their craft and, you know, and that's perfect. It is a way of words are spellings, right? So it is a form of communication with the universe, just like a spell would be. Mm -hmm. Okay, so tell me your your definition of spell, of ritual, of ceremony. Is there a difference in all of that? Yes, there is. Um, so a a spell is usually comprised of five different parts. Um, and everyone sort of does those five parts differently. So just quickly, the first and most important part is the intention. Mm -hmm. So a spell can be for manifestation, which I think is probably the one with which most people are familiar, can also be for protection, for healing, for banishing. Um, those are the big ones. I feel like I'm missing one. Um, but so, so the intention is the first thing, like, what do you want out of this? And then you create the container. So that's like, maybe it's casting a circle. Uh, maybe it's just giving a nod to the four directions. Everybody does that part differently, but the mm -hmm. container is important. One of my teachers early on said that if you cast a spell without creating a container, it's like cooking without a pot. So you're just oh. throwing your ingredients on the stove. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the third piece is the energy raising. So that could be uh, dance. It can be drumming. It can be singing. It can be writing. I usually tell people to look at whatever their art is, like how they like to, to uh, be creative while engaged in action. And probably that's the way you would raise energy in a spell container. Um, and then the... Fourth piece is the infusion, what that's difficult, the most difficult one to describe. So all you've raised all of this energy and now you infuse that energy into your intention, mm -hmm. right? And it requires this shift in consciousness that a, a lot of witchcraft writers, they write about it, but it is so strange to try to describe it in writing. And I know because I've tried, but it's, you're looking for this strange psychic change to happen where all of a sudden time is moving differently. And it only takes about 15 or 20 minutes to get to that weird place. 
Mm-hmm. When you do, then that's when it's time to release and let go. So you open the circle and you detach, and that's the fifth and final part of the spell. So this a spell is a, a, a symbolic action that is very attached to a specific intention. A ritual or a ceremony doesn't have to be that specific. You're still looking for a change to happen, but that change might be you're you're marking a rite of passage. Um, you are having a grief ritual, right? You're in mourning for something. You can be, you know, you're, you're laying your old self to rest or something like that, right? So a ritual doesn't necessarily have that energetic raising component, mm-hmm. um, but being witnessed by other people in a ritual is important. Being mirrored by other people in a ritual is important. Mm. So there are different factors for all, for all uh, between rituals and spells. They are different. That gave me chills from head to toe. The, the piece about <laughs> you have to be seen. You know, yeah. you have to be seen. Yeah. Because so often part of our issue is that we're not seen. So to me, that's just beautiful. Um, In the book, you talk a lot about the hag. And I want to know if you, I would like you to explain to the listeners what the hag is, but I want to tell you something. When I hear the word hag, I automatically see the old woman in the princess bride. I don't know if you ever saw the movie, (laughs) the princess bride. And I loved her. She was like one of my favorite characters. Yeah. But, But that's what people mostly relate to is this old, you know, craggly looking woman. Right. Well, you know, the the witch, the hag, the crone, they they live on the fringes in the folk tales, the fairy tales, the films, they live on the fringes. They're they're the um the person with the twisted nose who's in the woods who you're not supposed to, you know, go see or they're gonna eat you or something like that. And there's a necessary shadow component to that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not of the mind that, you know, we have to beautify the hag or make the hag more palatable or something like that. I don't think that's it. I think that the hag is necessarily a sharp character. Mm-hmm. Um maybe even like a trickster type character and that we need those in our lives and we need those in our myths. And so in my book, the hags are the storytellers, the the four hags for the four different solar seasons. They're the storytellers and they share their magic. Um, And I think as, as modern orphans, we live in a society where we crave that we crave elderhood. So, you know, in the book, I'm certainly not, claiming eldership or anything at age 40. Uh, but I'm saying that there is a, a a grief that we hold in our hearts for not having access to, meaningful access to elder teachers. Mm-hmm. It's not many of them. Um, so, you know, in the book, I'm, I'm talking about my grandmother and how she was sort of my original hag. My original hag school was my grandmother. Right. And, uh, and how... Uh, meaningful that was for me. I mean, it shaped every single part of my life, I think. So, mm-hmm. well, I think uh, Western society in general is missing that element. You know, so many families are missing the element of the elders that came before them to, to train them and to teach them. And um, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely needed. You know, it, it's needed. And I think that that's a lot of what we are all crying out for, you know, as we're looking for 
for the guidance and the wisdom and to be seen by our elders. And so many of us don't have that or didn't have that and have had to find communities where that happens for us. Well, um, we've only got a few minutes left and I feel like we didn't cover much at all. <laughs> I mean, we covered a lot, but we, but I really want to talk a little bit about your teachings. I, you know, listeners, you can find uh, Danielle's work on her website. It will be posted here on the Soulful Living page, but she, uh, aside from the books, not just book, but the books, um, you teach, you train, you share your wisdom with people. And maybe you don't think of yourself, as an elder, but you're definitely a wisdom keeper. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, through through the Hag School, um, and I'll say it's not just me. It, I do have other teachers that teach with me at the Hag School that have their own unique wisdom. Um, we have uh, two online covens. So one is for storytelling and spellcraft, and then we have another one called the Hive of the Holy Wild Flesh that is a lot of movement and embodied work. Um, so those are online. We meet monthly. Um, and they're growing and it's awesome, uh, especially blooming during COVID times. And then we have, we have a business collective through the Hag School. And then the, I have an, a witchcraft apprenticeship that is a little bit more intensive also through the Hag School. And then the last thing is we do have a training. I like to call it an untraining or a non-training <laughs> because it's not really like, you know, you come and I'm some, some sort of superior, mm, you know, someone on a pedestal or whatever. It's just, you come and we learn together and it's about how to host safe rituals for other people Ooh, and like that. people. So yes, the flame tenders training. I love that. And if somebody were a beginner, mm -hmm. where would you guide them to go first for you? Like if they were wanted to reach out to you. Yes. If they're a total beginner, I would say if they're joining the Hag School, it would be the Hagways Collective Coven. It's just a nice place to commune with other people and it's uh, storytelling and spell work and there's nothing too sharp or weird. Maybe weird, but there's nothing too sharp. <laughs> You know what? Everybody's weird. We're all weird, yeah, right? True. So we, we're not in a position to judge anybody else. Yeah. If you're listening to this, listeners, you know I'm as weird as they get. You know, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I have a dream. I've had ever since I was little, this dream comes back to me um, where where during the time of, let's say, the Salem witch trials and that kind of thing, I was there and I was I was a witch and I was hung and I can see the the people that come around me and every once in a while in real life I'll meet somebody whose energy was of the person that prosecute persecuted me and mm. it's it's really beautiful to have that and to be able to say oh yeah. no I am not going by that person so yeah um, yeah it's pretty interesting okay we have only a minute left, and I want to reiterate to the listeners, I'm having a conversation with Danielle Dalski. You can find all of her information here on the Soulful Living page. We'll have links to her book, her work, her trainings, the Hag School, you name it. And this has been so much fun. I loved it, Danielle. Thank uh, any, you so much, Carrie. Anytime you want to come back and extend the conversation, just shoot me an email and we'll get it going. Um, and I Great. love for my guests to leave the listeners with something to take out into the day 
to elevate their soul or, um, you know, help them feel a little more joy. Help them feel a little more joy. Well, uh, we're beginning the season of the witch today. It's the new harvest moon. So yes, look to the moments where you feel spontaneously met by gratitude and let those be the story of your life. The wow. gratitude. I love that. I love that. And thank you. Thank you for season of the moon. I'm really looking forward to working the next this cycle right from the book. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Terry. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.